Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Happy Advent 3. It's good to see all of you. Here we go. Um, all right. Prepare the way of the Lord. Behold, the Lord comes with might. Isaiah 40, verse 3. O Lord, accept our prayer and our supplications and grant that we may heed the call of John the baptizer to prepare the way for thy son and receive him into our hearts that we may become thy children through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Boy, that's nice. Let, let us listen so we become your children. Really good. That's really good. Uh, gosh, good to see you. Thanks for sticking in. This goes to Russia. Actually, we just had a request. The bishop will be here, I think, in January. Whether he'll come to St. John, it's not clear. You know, we're not the only people who support him, but we got a request to help pay for his uh, airfare this week, so there you go, you know. Um, could you do a little bit toward, toward that? So maybe we can put the, this toward that. Would that be okay? Okay. Um, it's good to see all of you. I think we'll go next week, too, and then we'll take a few weeks off because people are going to travel, and then we, um, it's a little tougher to kind of stick together. Uh, any questions about anything from last week? i got two things I want to ask you about. Well, let's do the homework first. Let's just talk about this. I gave you this. Did anybody give this any thought? I gave you this long list of things. So, you know, I sit in my office and I say to myself, you know, what, uh, how could I sum all that up in a, in, a, in a line or two and talk about that? Anybody work on that? You got quite, if you got suggestions, we'll take them. Otherwise, we'll go to the next thing. Anybody got anything? Oh, gosh. We got, yeah, we got some for everybody. We made new ones. Thanks very much. Uh, Val, can you help me? If anybody needs these, will you hand them out for me? There you go. They're all the same as last week. So we said to you, hey, what, you know, next door, that'll be fun. Won't that be fun? By the way, let me put a pitch in for painting. Um, if you haven't been over there yet, you know, there's a lot of, there's painting, and then there's a lot of little things that need to be done. Anybody can do the stuff that's being done right now. And it is a case of dominoes, you know, falling. We want to paint before we put the carpet in. We want to paint before we can put bookshelves up. There are all these things that kind of go in order. So if you have even a spare couple of hours and can do that, get a hold of Rich Wren. He'll direct you into something that's very valuable. And it, it's nice, you know, wandering around there on Saturdays and, you know, all those guys who are working over there, men and women. And the stuff there, yesterday, you know, it's just fun, for example, the drywall is going up in the new sacristy for the altar guild folks. And that's just, it's always exciting to see that kind of stuff happen. So thank you very, very much. Uh, okay. Any, anybody got an idea? Any, any way you want to sum this kind of stuff up? Just look at that. I'm on the Bible study page. It says question and answer. What difference would it make? What do we want St. John to be? Anybody got any ideas? Otherwise, oh, Mr. Lee, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Say just the last set of a lot of it. What was the last thing you said? A prophetic, voice. a prophetic voice. It depends on a prophetic voice. Well, when you talk about how we treat the world, oh, yeah. Right. So the question is uh, he was on the first page where it said, What do we want St. John to be known for? And then he sort of worked down truth, mercy, taking in sinners, teaching, theology, social programs. So is the question, you know, where does the prophetic voice come from or what does it look like? Is that what you're asking? Right. Yeah. Um, Real honestly, being a Christian is not 
uh, very complicated. It basically means obeying Christ for your good. I mean, in the way that I say to you, it's good for you to, to do the Ten Commandments. So it's good for you to come to church. It's good for you to go to the Eucharist. It's good for you to say your prayers. It's good for you to read scripture. And it's good for you to help other people. And then the trick of being a Christian is always you kind of look around at the group you've got here, and then you look around at the group you've got out there, and you say, how can we do our best? We're a particular kind of people. So this group right here is very bright, comparatively very moneyed, has a lot of money, so a lot of brains, a lot of money, kind of short on time, but very well organized, and really usually are pretty efficient. You know, so I'll just give you some characteristics of this group. So then we say to ourselves, when we look out into the world, how can we um, get things done? So we would look for things that would fit us. Um, so for me, that means often, I'll just give you an example. It probably means we're probably better at short bursts. I'm going to use Christmas sharing in just a second, but Christmas sharing is a short burst. Now there's a long lead time, but then there's a short burst. So I can get all these very bright, kind people who have very difficult schedules and very difficult lives. I can get them to donate well and work in a concentrated period of time, one week, or even if you think about it as a Friday and a Saturday. So that's the thing that works really well. What we have to do is try to match our skills to the needs that we see. The needs are not complicated. You know, if you read the number of people who go to, go to, go to sleep hungry in America, millions of people every night go to sleep. Millions of people don't have a place to sleep. I mean, millions of people don't have a catechism. You just start going through things, there's way more. So more in this congregation is going to be how can we pick things that match us. And I would urge us, one of the things that happens also with good-hearted people is they get stretched too thin. And it's really hard on the staff if we start something and then the, like if, if we start something as a church, the people fade and then we have to finish it. So there's another good Christmas sharing thing, which is no pressure on the staff. That's one of the reasons it's so great. In fact, Pastor Gaining and I were just talking about this, we, we, you know, how we organize as we go to the new place because people will get excited and you're also smart and you all have so many good ideas. What we have to try to do is focus our fire on a couple of things. And those things are not very hard to find. There are people in need all the time. We have people come in every day for food. We have people come in every day for bus passes. Um, for us, we need to make sure we're doing it. And we need to do it well. So, And I think we can do that. That would be a cup of coffee, 10 of us sitting around a table, half an hour. We'd have the whole year mapped out. Be easy. So thanks. Anybody else? Get any ideas? Doesn't have to be the final thing. We can move on if you haven't. I'll sort of tell you what I'm thinking, but anybody else first? Anybody? Um, I'm going to use, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to use Christmas sharing as a great example of this, and I'm going to use it as a great example about what we talked about last week. So if you were going to sum up what we talked about last week, what would you say? Anybody? In a sentence or two? What, what were we trying to do? We talked about the centurion, and what do you need, what's the first step in any project or any situation? What do you need to know? Sorry? If you're a leader, you're a follower. And what was the other thing? Somebody say something else, too? I just said know your place. Know your place, yeah. Know your place and know if you're a leader or follower. So I'm just going to, I'll embarrass Carol and I think Marilyn Hanson. I'll just, I'm going to do it, but it's for the good of the Lord, okay? So you're just going to have to take it. Um, here's why Chris, Christmas sharing is great here. Here's why Christmas is sharing. Uh, let me just ask you first. Who is in charge of Christmas sharing? Carol. Okay. So when, so... Now we've already cleaned up about 80% of our troubles, right? <laughs> okay, now here's the reason why. One is you all know who's in charge. I'm not in charge. The pastors aren't in charge. The staff's not in charge. Carol's in charge. Okay, that's really good. 
What's the other thing you know about Carol? Yes, she will get it done. She is going to get it done, one way or another. There were days when she came in bleary-eyed, and there were days when she came in pretty perky. And usually the difference between those two days was how much help she had. But we knew that it was going to get done, okay? Okay, so first you figure out who's the leader and who's the follower. In this case, Carol's the leader and I'm the follower. Carol's the leader and you're the follower. I can't say that in the past three or four years I've ever heard anybody say, not one time, and I'm around, I've never heard anybody say, oh, I'd like to push Carol out of that position, or I could do a lot better than Carol, or I wish that were all mine. I mean, there's not one person who said that, okay? Which is, which is great, because what happens then is, what does that do? That frees Carol to sort of figure it all out, and then it frees the rest of us to... Okay, and then what happens is, and I'll go to your comment, which is, that's one of the things we're really good at. You know why that's good at? Most of the stuff in preparation can be done on your free time. You can sort your closet. You can buy groceries. You can pick the time you can come to work as we ramp up. Most of that stuff can be done on your time. About the only thing that can't be done on your time is Friday evening and Saturday morning. But if you came either Friday evening and Saturday morning, and I'll just confess to you, I came mostly to walk around and look at people and talk to people and move on because I had something else Friday morning and Saturday morning, so I didn't do much except talk to people. But it was a blast. There were, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't want to ruin you for next year, but you had as many or more volunteers than you needed Friday morning, Friday evening and Saturday. Would that be true? Saturday, probably not. You were a little short Friday. A little short Friday. But I, when I walked around talking to people on both those nights, People were very relaxed and knew where their spot was, and it wasn't, people weren't tugging at them. So partly what that meant is, there's actually time for people to, you know, smile and pat people on the back and talk to each other and be kind and, hey, can I help you? And the most stunning thing I saw was, um, this is, you know, virtually divine. There were two women who walked in from Iraq. And actually, honestly, because of the way people are Americanized, actually, at first blush, you didn't know if they were Muslim or not. So that was very interesting first to watch them come in. And then it turned out, and I have to say I was far enough away, I couldn't see what was happening, but they said, you know, they spoke some English, but they said, our language is. I couldn't catch it. It's not Farsi. It's it, was, it sounded like Farsi, but it wasn't Farsi. And the Wheaton College girl who was Spanish at the... Translator. Yeah, the Spanish translator said, oh, I speak that. <laughs> now here, she said, I'm, I'm Lebanese on one side and I'm Iraqi on the other, isn't that what she said? And she said, we speak that at home. And I'm like, what are the odds, you know? <laughs> I mean, you get a dialect from Iraq and we've got somebody there. I mean, that is like, that's divine intervention, you see. It's totally unplanned. Yeah, you can't, but part of that is because of the way you gather people. I mean, in many ways, and I will say this too about Christmas sharing, I think we've gotten way better over the years. How many years have we done this now? Six, seven? As a host. As a host since, um, Really, it's been that long? Yeah, so Bob Donish, who is the guy who directs it for all of the churches in Wheaton, is a member here, and so he hooked us into this. And then, but I will say, it's down to a science now, and part of that is because you've been very good as a leader, People have been very respectful to you, and the congregation has been very responsive. So that's a great example of how things should work in the church. I can't tell you how happy it was to be there both on Friday night and Saturday. It's just, it's happy. It's a happy time. 
And I even noticed, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, but I even noticed in the people who are receiving a change of heart, I've noticed in years past that there's been some uncomfortableness even to the point of shame when people came in. Uh, I didn't notice that this year. What I noticed is people very happy, and I think part of that was a reflection of the St. John people who volunteered. We're all in it together. Our volunteers were very relaxed. They had a lot of stuff. There was cookies. There was hot chocolate. There wasn't sort of pity in people. There was very much, hey, we love you and we're here to help you. And I think that sort of, there were a lot of smiles and that radiated to people. And part of it is, is kind of the way, there was this really interesting balance between people who were talking to people and people who were schlepping stuff out of Mary Lou's grocery bin as fast as they could <laughs> carry it. You know? So you have this very interesting mix of people who are being very kind and also very busy. And those are both happening at the same time, which left the people who came in the chance to kind of relax and be served. And Jesus, I didn't come to be served, but to be a servant, to give my life as a ransom for many. And that's exactly what's happening. So you see, if you can just, if you're any part of that, that's just a great paradigm, something that works. I could just tell you, and maybe I'll talk about it next week, the altar guild here is a similar paradigm. There is, there is not a Sunday, there's not one Sunday a year where we feel let down or complain about the altar guild. We think the altar guild is just tops. We couldn't ask for more. The, 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 the reason for it is we never have to think about it. And we've had a succession of leaders in there. Each one does as well as the last, and the thing is seamless. We don't check the altar before we come out. We come out and life's good. I mean, that is, as a pastor, you can't know what the comfort is. Our stuff is always there. It's always repaired. It's always well-pressed. The stuff is on the altar. It's always done well. It's always perfect. That's because, I mean, you, you see, that's a, that's a chance where even though, you know, I'm in charge of the altar as a senior pastor, that's a place where somebody else has taken the lead and I don't have to worry about that. That makes my life so much better. And the trick here as we move is to find the right number of those things that run in that way. But I'll just tell you, in both of the cases I've named for you, the reason they work is because people understand when they're leaders and when they're followers. And I realize when the stakes get higher, you know, sometimes it's a little more difficult because we all are pretty good and we all kind of want to reach in and fix it. And we all think we have good ideas. But I just want to kind of urge you to look to the people who are in charge in any given case. The altar guild and Christmas sharing are both great things where not the pastors and not the staff, but rather you folks are so, so helpful. Now for me, I think the, busy, the busyness of your lives mean, and we can talk about this together, we can only do so many things. You know, we can maybe do Christmas sharing, we can maybe do gifts for grace, we can maybe do a couple other things during the year. Otherwise, it's going to be too much. But the things that we do need to be spectacular, and they need to, spectacular, I don't mean in the hail out of noise sense. I mean, they need to run like Christmas sharing runs. It aims at, it, it hits what it aims at. I mean, we, it hits the target. And when that happens, you see, and everybody kind of plays along, it's just joy all around. I mean, everybody's happy. There were hundreds of people involved. There, if you count the people who helped and the people who were served, you probably, there's a thousand people involved in that project. And it was unbelievable. Yeah, there are probably wrinkles, and you know, maybe some of you, you know, somewhere got nudged or pushed in a way you wouldn't want to go. That's, that's human life, and we're all like that, and we need to overlook those places because we're not perfect. I was struck again this morning how confession sort of sets the tone for all of us. We do a lot of good, and yet, you know, the last thing we say, poor, miserable sinner, which is, you know, yeah, that's it. 
So anyway, thank you for that, and that's a great paradigm going forward. If we can learn that lesson and carry that through, um, man, you'll just be unstoppable in terms of the good that the Lord can get out of you. It's just such a good thing. So anyway, thanks to Carol, you know, and then thanks to all of you. And, um, you know, reload because it's time to do gifts for grace. You know, Kathy Thorne is the next victim. <laughs> so we will, uh, we will find her and we will use her well, okay? Just questions about any of that? Can I make a comment? You may, of course. I heard someone say to someone yesterday at Christmas share, thank you for coming. To the person that was coming to get the gift, I heard one of our staff say, thank you for coming. I want to volunteer. Say to them, thank you for coming. And the person just did want to be like, why are you thanking me for coming here? And I thought, what a witness that that person made to the person that was coming to Christmas share. Yeah, that's good. It's good to, I mean, you know, they let us be kind to them. Right. It's very nice. I mean, those people give you an opportunity to be, to be kind. And see, if you can sense the difference in this, this is not what you've got to do, this is what you get to do. This is what I mean in the sermon today be, by drawing into the story. You know, Jesus doesn't have to come save you, you know. You can have another flood and he can start over with somebody else. But that's not what he does. He, he, he doesn't have to, he hasn't got to do it. But he gets to do it. The father says to the son, would you go do this? The son says, I will, if you ask me to do that. But that's not a law word. That's a gospel word. In the same way, he says to all of you, hey, come on now, let's go. Uh, that's not a law word to you. It's a gospel word. You get to play along. You get to be part of a, what's a fantastic thing. You put food on somebody else's table. That's really quite a remarkable thing. It just is. And frankly, you know, getting to know ourselves a little bit more, we all have, everybody in this room has more than enough. We just all have, we, you know, we all just have, if you get two coats, give one to the poor. That's Jesus, right? I mean, you know, there's not one of us that doesn't have two coats. So there's, there's a lot of room for us to do some good, but we did a lot of good, so we should be happy about that and thankful that, that we could. But I, I just tell you, it all works by knowing your spot. There are leaders and their followers in any given place. There are, as Luther says, on Sunday, there are givers and receivers in any given place. If you're a giver, be a giver. If you're a receiver, be a receiver. The most important thing is to be busy where you are. The Christian life is not just about getting out of hell. The Christian life is being so grateful that you're out of hell that you're prompted toward heaven. That's what the Christian life. And you get as much Eden as you can here on earth. That's, that's the Christian life. So anyway, thank you very much for that. Um, keep thinking about this. I don't want to get too far too fast, but obviously the first thing I've said to you is, you know, one of the things is for you to find your spot. Everybody good? Let's do a fun thing then. Open up your Bible, and let's just, this will be, you know, roughly a point number um, five, kind of halfway through, but just open up your Bible to Romans 12. You can hardly get, uh, you know, you can ha hardly have more fun in your life than reading Romans 12. This is really, really quite a good thing about what the church should be. Um, partly what I meant today when I said in the sermon, you know, you want to you wanna see and you want to you want to see and you want to act exactly the way that the, the Heavenly Father sees and acts. You know, what I really mean by that is the Heavenly Father prescribes, you know, a fairly crisp life for Christ. I mean, he makes pretty clear what Christ is supposed to do. And he makes fairly clear what it is that you and I are supposed to do. There's not a lot of guesswork. Your guesswork is mostly in your target. We need to, be, we need to feed the poor, for example. You know, the only guesswork that's left is pick the poor you want to feed. They're everywhere, you know. Um, there's not a lot of guesswork in what the, and this is why, you know, this is why, um, 
You know, for example, we've talked probably since I've been here, we've talked a lot about giving, we've talked a lot about tithing. Um, at some point, you just can't talk about that anymore because you spend all your time talking about it. At some point, I can't convince you that's the right thing to do. You just got to do it so we can move on to the next thing. There are people spend their whole lives either not talking about that or talking about it. The real step is to do it and then find your target. That's the next spot. So, you know, here's the thing. Um, you got you to gotta get money right so you never have to talk about money again. The reason you don't want to talk about money is because you want to talk about poor people or sick people whom you can serve. And that's how, that's how Romans 12 works. So just, you know, just kind of for fun, you know, we'll read through this. Um, and I have a little different translation, and that's just for fun too. Uh, just because when it sounds different, sometimes it catches your ear. Therefore, my brothers, so we're all in it together. I mean, Paul made very clear in the first chapter he's an apostle, so he's the leader. But he also, by the time he says, he, he equalizes as well. We're all in it together, boys and girls. He's the apostle, but we're all in it together for my brothers. And that's a collective term, brother and sisters. I'm begging you by God's mercy. So somebody was nice to you, and you let the mercy flow through you, to offer your very selves to him. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. As a living sacrifice, which of course makes no sense at all, because sacrifices are dead by nature, but since Jesus was dead and resurrected, you who are dead are resurrected. So your new life is a living sacrifice. That means a sacrifice is always in service to somebody else. If you think you don't have a spot, you're completely wrong. The moment you're baptized, you have a spot. To be a living sacrifice is to, to be a sacrifice is to be given up for somebody else. Your whole life is meant to be given up for somebody else. And that's meant to be living, Luther, Faith is a living and an active thing. So, you know what? There's a spot for everybody. To be Christian is to be busy for somebody else. I came not to be served, but to, to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's Jesus busy for somebody else. If you're going to be in the way of Jesus, if you're going to be caught up in the flesh and blood of Jesus, you're caught up in a life of service where Christ leads and you follow, or in the case of Christmas sharing, where Christ leads and Carol leads right behind him and you follow Carol. You see how that works? not complicated. Mostly it's a question of will. So here we go. You're meant to be a living sacrifice, dedicated and fit for his service. Find your spot. Work your spot. The worship offered by mind and heart, which means you can't say one thing and not do it. Mind and heart means, you know, or mind and hand or heart and hand. The Bible uses different ways to talk, but it's basically saying talk is cheap, thoughts are cheap. The only way that the world really works is if your hand matches your mouth, matches your heart. Your head matches your heart, matches your mouth, matches your hand. That's the Christian life, when all your pieces match. Paul's a Hebrew. For Hebrews, you're one lump. You can't separate your heart from your hand, from your mouth, from your head. You can't do it. It's impossible. You're either dead or alive, whole lot. Okay, you're alive, whole lot, because Christ died for you. So, you know, if you can't figure out what that means, he's going to tell you. <coughs> but please understand what the presupposition is. You're either dead or alive. You're wholly dead or wholly alive. You're wholly alive, so let's go. A living sacrifice in service to somebody else. Um, adapt yourselves no longer to the pattern of the present world, which means we don't look like the world looks, and we don't do things the reason the world does things. We're going we're gonna to be for the week. I mean, listen to the Advent text. Listen to Isaiah today. You know, listen to the Magnificat from last week. You know, the proud are going to be brought low and the humble are going to be exalted. Listen to the Magnificat when we sing that. Listen to it at Christmas. The kingdom of God is where everything is upside down. 
where Jesus comes for the weak and the poor. So there it is. There's your target. Adapt yourselves no longer to the pattern of the world, but let your minds be remade and your whole nature transformed. Those are the words for when they strike a coin, when they imprint a coin. It, you know, you take this, this metal and you squeeze it until it's the shape you want it to be in. That's what happens to you. That's why the Christian life is painful for you and for me sometimes, because the Father is constantly squeezing us into the shape he wants us to be. You know, it's like if you've ever had braces. You know how you braces? The day you go get your braces tightened, he's squeezing your, he's squeezing your, um, he's squeezing your teeth into the shape he wants them to be. It's not very, it's not very pleasant for the first couple of days, but in the end, you know, um, you know, boys kiss you on the lips, and you think it's worth it, right? <laughs> Just seeing it if you're still awake. Okay, so there you go. All right. <clears throat> Then you'll be able to discern the will of God. You'll be able to think clearly. So you'll be able to think about, this person needs me and I can help in this way. You'll discern the will of God. So you'll understand what it means to, um, you'll understand that uh, uh, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal, also means thou shalt be generous. You'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see that the seventh commandment means something like, thou shalt participate in Christmas sharing. And you'll understand that to be the gospel and not the law. Like, hey, let's go into the promised land where everybody have enough. Let's have a night and a morning where everybody has enough. Just for a moment. Let's just have, let's just have a night, we'll have a Friday night and a Saturday morning where just for a second it'll be like Eden and everybody will have enough. That's what that means. Now for that to happen, you need to think well about yourself and other people. You need to discern the best way to do it. You need to put somebody in charge, and then other people need to follow, you see? And this is, this is just such basic stuff. In virtu- uh, then you'll be able to discern the will of God and know what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay? In virtue of the gift that God in his grace has given you, so you've been given to, you're nothing but given to, I say to everyone among you, nobody's left out, so you can't ever say, this isn't about me. Nobody in the church can say, I'm not fit for this or I didn't get a gift. There's another place where he says, everybody's given a gift in the church. Everybody's getting, now they're different. Some of you are good at one thing, some are good at another, some have great resources, some have less resources, some of you are really smart, others not so smart, but some of you work really hard and others don't work so hard. Everybody's got a gift. The point is to find your gift and to draw it into the service of God. Don't be conceited or think too highly of yourself. So that's kind of find your spot. You know, know your, know, know your situation, find your spot. But think your way to a sober estimate based on the measure of faith that God has dealt to each of you. Okay? So you kind of think your way through this earlier, and I've written this down for you in verse 2. The word is for testing. Try to figure out what you're good at. Maybe ask some other people. Maybe ask your pastor. Maybe ask Carol. Maybe ask an elder. What do you, what do you think I'd be good? Instead of coming in and saying, I can really do this. Sometimes people are right. But oftentimes... You know, we don't all know our strengths. And sometimes people can say, you'd be really good at this, or we need to see more of this out of you. No, that's okay. That's how we help each other as community. For just as in a, and you're used to this now, just as in a human body, there are many limbs and organs, all with different functions, so all of us united with Christ form one body, serving individually, see, everybody serves, as limbs and organs to one another. So you all know this, you know, if your elbow hurts, pretty soon you get a headache, 
pretty soon your muscles are all up here. Then you go to physical therapy and they start to work this and that makes your knee hurt. When your knee hurts over here, you gotta get a hip replaced over here. And you see, if one person here, if one person here is in pain, we're kind of all in pain. It may not be immediate, but it'll come eventually. That's how the church works. That's why you get after things early. That's why you don't let things fester. That's why you, that's why you pay attention to things. That's why there's Matthew 18. So when something goes wrong, you go to people early and you get it worked out. That's why you can't leave anybody out. That's why you can't have cliques in the church. See, that's why there's got to be a space for everybody. That's why you who are here, there's a hundred of you here, but you know, there's another five, 600 people who come to church this weekend. You have to try to help them find their spot too. Because right now you're a little more connected than they are, but it's gonna be real important for them to be connected, okay? The gifts we possess differ as they are allotted to us by God's grace, okay? So he gives one person one thing and one person another. That's God's choice, you know? That's Paul's thing about we're vessels of the, of the Holy Spirit, you know, earthen vessels. And they must be exercised accordingly. You see that? If you're given a gift, you don't have any choice. If you've got money, you're a good giver. If you're good at leadership, you need to lead. You don't have any choice. If you're a good worker bee, get busy, you know? Whatever it is, your gift must be exercised. Otherwise, the church doesn't work. The gift of inspired utterance, for example, in proportion to a man's faith or the gift of administration in administration. A teacher should employ his gift in teaching, and one who has the gift of stirring speech should use it to, steer, to, to stir his hearers. There's actually a lot of you, I've heard many of you in different venues <clears throat> actually be quite stirring. Um, we might need a little more of that from you um, in a voters meeting in, in a very positive way it might be time for you to stand up and give your 60 seconds. Or when you're next door with Christmas sharing, it might be important for you to you know, really encourage the people you're working with. Or wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Whatever your gift is, if your gift is administration. So we know of Carol, for example, one of the, and Mary Lou, we'd say that too, one of the gifts that they have is administration, and Kathy too. Because we've seen them take over these things and make them work and be able to do that without leaving anybody out or making everybody angry. Just quite the contrary. They've been able to work a thing that makes everybody happy, you see? The proof is in the pudding in the church. It just is. So now we know that, and so, you know, we sort of hold those people for two things. One is for the next thing that we need to do, and two, for younger folks who need to be drawn up and learn the same skills. That's how the church perpetuates itself and gets to do more. I mean, this is all just, it's all just lying right here in front of us. If you're a leader, exert yourself to lead. If you're helping others in distress, Christmas sharing, do it cheerfully. You did, thanks very much. Now, again from this morning, love in all sincerity, loathing evil and clinging to good. So you mark the stuff that's evil, you don't touch the evil stuff, just touch good stuff. Christian life is really easy. Touch good things, don't touch evil things. It's that simple. If you see a good thing, touch it. If you see an evil thing, don't touch it, you know, the only people who touch evil things are exorcists. Unless you're an exorcist, unless you've been put to the task, stay away from it. So you touch good things, you don't touch evil things, which means if you hear an evil thing spoken, you don't touch that. You say a good thing. If you see an evil thing being done, you don't join in. You either correct it if you have the strength or walk away from it. Better to correct it, but if you don't have the strength, at least walk away from it. 
See, the Christian life is easy. Touch good things, don't touch evil things. Good, good things are good for you. Evil things are bad for you. It's so simple. Okay, here it is. Let love for our brotherhood breed warmth of mutual affection. Somebody gave me a big kiss this morning at the door and said, um, it's such a warm place. Actually, somebody said that to me last night, too. New, newer people last night. It's such a warm place. That's all to you folks. You know, you love other people, you warm the place. The person at the door today said, this is a very warm place, and I don't mean just because it's cold outside. That's what she said. So that's all of you, you know. That can't just be me. I, I don't have enough contact with everybody. That's got to be you. Okay, so when you love people, give pride of place to one another in esteem, which is another way of saying find your leaders and follow them. They're going to be different in every situation. Pride of place means, you know, who's in place number one? Who's at point number one? After Christ, who's always at point number one? Who's at point 1A? In the altar guild, it's the chairman. At Christmas sharing, it's Carol. At Gifts for Grace, it's Kathy. In the service, it's your pastor. Okay, so figure out, you know, what it is. You okay? Is this making sense? I mean, you wouldn't think it's this easy, but it's flipping this easy. This is not hard, okay? This is just like, hey, this is looking at other people and saying, you know what, you got a gift, get busy. How about you? We know what you can do. The vicar, he can get you a new car and set up a men's retreat in one weekend. I mean, that's his gift. That's what the Lord has given him. Okay, so that's what you want to use. Right? Now just look, now he shorthands and it gets it going. With unflagging energy, in the ardor of the Spirit, serve the Lord. He doesn't say, if you've got some extra time, or maybe a, you know, on a weekend. or you know, What he basically says is, carve out some time. I've given you energy, carve out some time, do some good. Let hope keep you joyful. Like, actually, we will move in next door someday. Stay, stay hopeful, stay happy. <coughs> we really will. Easter or before if that I-beam comes out on Monday. In trouble, stand firm. So, you know, don't get all rattled. I mean, one of the things we've learned over the years together is there's just a lot to be said for just stick it in there. You know, just stay in. That's part of the reason you really need in a congregation, and this is, you really need old people who have um, kind of seen it all. Because if you're above the age of about 70 or 75, part of your job around here, is to pat the rest of us on the head and say, there, there, boy, it's all going to be okay. We, you know, we've been through this, and the Lord eventually sorts it out. You can also say, and we'll get through it a little quicker if we act like this. That's what this is talking about. You find your spot. Contribute to the needs of God's people and practice hospitality. That's easy. That's give your gifts inside, tithe inside, and set aside enough for alms. This is just tithing and alms. So something for the people here, for the needs of God's people, so you take care of Christians, and then practice hospitality is alms for poor folk. It's Christmas sharing. So you give your tithe, and then beyond that, you donate to Christmas sharing. This is easy. That's what Jesus did. You tithe and you do well. That's what Jesus says. You know, it's right there. And then Jesus also always gave to the poor. If you've got two coats, give one of your coats away. That's an alms for the poor. Call down blessings on your persecutors, blessings, not curses. And we've talked to you about this a hundred times before, which is if you really hate somebody, you pray for them, and it'll, it'll be about a week and you won't be able to hate them anymore. If you're really angry at somebody, pray for them. You can't pray for somebody and hate them at the same time. It's just impossible. And if you don't know what to pray, you pray very simply. 
you pray that the Lord would deal with them in justice and in mercy. For anybody you hate, all you pray is that, don't give the Lord suggestions. He frankly doesn't need your suggestions, okay? I mean, he doesn't need any help, okay? Like, you know, strike them down or, you know, make sure that they blah, blah, or if Zechariah could lose his voice for about nine months, that would help everybody. You know, the Lord will figure it out himself. Here's your prayer. You pray that the Lord, you pray for, you name the person you say, I pray that you'd have your way with them in justice and in mercy and preserve them to salvation. You never pray anybody into hell. If you pray people into hell, it's because you hate them and you can't hate people. Nobody is your enemy. So your prayer is, this is the third sheet that's on there about mercy. You don't have any enemies. So you don't pray anybody into hell. What you pray is that the Lord would have his way with them in justice and in mercy, or as you would say, as a Lutheran, in law and in gospel, and that he'd preserve them to eternal life. You pray nobody into hell. If you do that, it's impossible to hate people. It just is, okay? Be joyful with the joyful, mourn with the mourners, care as much about each other as about yourselves. This is just variations on love your neighbor as yourself. Don't be haughty, you know, but go about with humble folk. We all have that. This is especially what a day. I'm on verse 16. Verse 16. Romans 12, verse 16. So don't, um, don't keep thinking about how smart you are. Is that what yours says? Don't keep thinking about how smart you are. So basically, this is actually a good text for all of us, because real honestly, um, y you all are pretty smart, mm -hmm. and you're all pretty well established. So look at twice in a row. Um, don't be haughty, but go around with humble folk, which means, you know, have Christmas sharing. Invite humble folk in. And this was the great thing. When they came in, you treated them like they were real human beings. You didn't treat them as objects of pity. They get pitied all over the place by people who don't do anything for them. You don't need to, I mean, you can pity people, it's okay, but some days you need to keep it to yourself. Because on a day like that, what those people need is respect. What they need is care. So you don't think that, oh, here's all these poor people and we gotta help them out. You think, this is my brother, this is my sister, I do for them as Christ bids me to do. So don't be haughty and hang around with humble people, okay? And don't think you're smarter than you are. You know, there's nothing like the church to humble you. The church will teach you you're not smarter than you are, okay? Never pay back evil for evil. Why would you do that? That's a waste of time, okay? There's no point in, uh, e I mean, evil doesn't belong to you. If you touch evil, it'll consume you. If you hate somebody, it'll eat you alive. If you plan revenge, believe me, that doubles back on you. There's never a percentage in revenge or in vengeance. It's just, it's not your work. Your work is to love people. Never pay back evil for evil. Let your aims be such as all men are counted honorable. If possible, so far as it lies with you, live at peace with all men. So actually, there is, that's a great reference to not having guilt and shame. You, all you can do is love other people. They may or may not love you back. If they don't love you back, you can't feel guilty about that or be shamed by that. As far as it lies with you, be at peace with other people. You cannot control other people. I mean, all you have to do is have kids to know you can't control other people, right? That's all you gotta, that's all you gotta do. I mean, you can't, from the moment your wife is pregnant, you are living from what you can't control. 
I mean, you start talking about month three, hey, nobody's listening, okay? There's nothing you can do. To have kids is to live what you can't control. You can't control other people, not in any long-term situation. But you do your bit. You love, you live peacefully, you live mercifully, you live generously, and the chips fall where they fall. After that, it's somebody else's business, it's the Lord's business, okay? My dear friends, don't seek revenge, but leave a place for divine retribution. For there is a text which reads, Justice is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. So you don't have to be busy hating anybody or trying to get back at people. You pray for them. You pray for justice and mercy and their eternal salvation. There's another text, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Those are pretty straightforward. And then this text, which is so crazy, which by doing this, you'll heap live coals upon his head, which actually doesn't sound like that kind of a thing. You know, pouring your barbecue onto somebody's head. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a mystery passage, but it means something like you'll, you sort of warm them up, maybe to the point of shaming them to confess their sin, which frankly is a good thing. If you can, got to hear this in the right way, but if you can be so kind to other people that they can see themselves and then see their own sin and beyond that, see that you'll forgive them, then they'll confess and everything will get squared up not enough just to shame people into their sin. You've got to give them some space. You've got to give them some space to repent. Nobody's going nobody's to repent if they don't think they're going to be forgiven. Nobody ever repents if there's not mercy. John the baptizer, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent is, you're a bunch of damn sinners. The kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. I've actually been kind of thinking lately about how every petition of the Lord's Prayer is actually answered in Christ. Our Father in heaven, who has a son, hallowed be thy name, the greatest name is Jesus. Thy kingdom come, the kingdom of God is actually Christ incarnate. Thy will be done, which means what Christ did in heaven is done here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread, the Eucharist, and forgive us our trespasses, Christ, as we forgive those who trespass against us, Christ. Lead us not into temptation, I'm the way, the truth, the life, follow me, but deliver us from evil, only through Christ. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, all in Christ incarnate. Amen, which is the way Christ does it. There's nothing but Christ. That's all there is in life. And you're meant to live your life accordingly. Do not let evil, evil conquer you, but use good to defeat evil. Boom. Do some good, kind of clean up the neighborhood. Okay? You won't be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. The biggest mistake you've made with me as pastor is try to expect me to be perfect. Believe me, I'm not perfect. You can talk to my wife. Uh, you know, to expect each other to be perfect, forget it. We do expect each other to be forgiven and to live the forgiven life. That's what we're aiming at. Just have a read through that. I mean, if you don't know what to do, just read Romans 12. But it all boils down to this. In any given situation, there's leaders and followers. Know when you're leading, know when you're following, and get busy. And to do that, we've got to kind of, you know, we've got to rein in our pride a little bit, and we've got to reach into our pocket, and we've got to respect other people, and, you know, got to, or we get to do that. I should keep my language straight. And we get to do all those things. But we get to do that because that's the life of Jesus. That's the life of the Lord's Prayer. That's the life of the Ten Commandments. That's the life of the Creed. That's the life of Eden on earth. You create your own reality. You can have the church you want. If you live in mercy and generosity, you'll have a church of mercy and generosity. If you live in truth and obedience, you can have a church of truth and obedience. If you live another way, that's the kind of church you get. 
So, man, at some point, I want to stop talking about that, and I want to just talk about, well, I don't want to stop talking about it. I want to see the next thing, which is, come on now. You know, my biggest fear on Judgment Day for me is that I didn't get enough out of you as a pastor because you're so blasted talented. So, you know, here we go. It's all right here. Um, but maybe we just need to get kind of a paradigm in our head, a very easy paradigm. Know when you lead and know when you follow. That'd be the first thing. The next thing I want to talk about is being busy in your space, and then I want to talk a little bit about being connected. Because I see a huge difference in this congregation because between people who commute two and a half hours and people who feel like there's no place for them, and we have to eliminate the second. We need to give everybody the feeling that if they were two and a half hours away, they'd still commute to St. John. And something like Christmas sharing does that in spades. I can just tell you from walking through there, every last person in that place felt connected. The guys who are working next door, one of the reasons to go work next door is not to do the work. It's just to be connected. It's just to meet people. I mean, I saw yesterday people that I never knew, one, had those skills, and two, I never knew they should. I, I saw people working yesterday in the sanctuary that I'd never seen working before. And I'm sure that they'd been there other days because they knew exactly what they were doing. It was brilliant. And now those people have a place. That's what we need to do. Everybody's got to find their spot. And everybody's got to work their spot. And if we can do that as we move to the new place, honestly, it'll be heaven on earth. So that's what we're looking for, but all of that in justice and mercy. Make sense? I know I'm ripping along here, but uh, I'm only going to get one more crack before Christmas, and I want to try to get enough into you, into you to think about into December, into January. Because real honestly, you know, we're probably on the outside. We're probably 18 weeks tops from moving. 18 weeks is not very long. And there's a, there's a lot to do, both physically, but also kind of spiritually, is before we go. So we need to think about that. Okay? Questions about any of that? I know I kept you a little long. Thanks for coming in the cold weather. Pray for Pastor Gainig. He got tickets to the Bears today, and the Lord is clearly punishing him for it. <laughs>